See, we have people service in any industry because that is the P of the calculation, right? You take the PL and you just tell people, this is the standard, do it for us to get quality. No, it's not going to work. You have to have the P. Welcome to my podcast, Rashad in Conversation. I'm your host, Rashad Isa. Quality professionals strive to make businesses and society a better place, regardless of the sector we work in. We do not achieve such efforts single-handedly though. We engage with so many people and subject matter experts from around the world. Having a clear understanding of how and who we interact with makes a successful calibration and helps in driving winning strategies. Today, I'm joined by Diana Catalina Beltran. Diana coaches, consults, and educates hospitality and tourism organizations. She does so on sustainability operations, green team building, procurement, greenhouse gas accounting, and carbon offsetting initiatives. She teaches online from Europe on various subjects, including quality service at the University of Southern California for the Masters of Science in Hospitality and Tourism program. In her previous career, Diana served as a corporate learning and development manager for North and Latin America at Wyndham Hotels and Resorts Corporation. In other positions, she also managed the development and implementation of sustainability-based programs as the Sustainability and Innovation Manager for the Wyndham Worldwide Corporation. She held property positions at the Grand Hyatt New York and Sofitel Miami in various operative roles. She has also taught at Florida International University and at the Universidad Argentina de la Empresa. I am very much looking forward for this conversation. Hello, Rashad. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, and excited to be here on your podcast. Thank you very much for accepting to join this conversation. First things first, I know that you're joining us from Spain, so please tell me it's gorgeous sunshine and beautiful weather from where you are. It is, and today so it's going to be one of the warmest days yet, so I'm very excited about being outside in Alicante, Spain, just a little bit south of Valencia. Um, and as I was, uh, for those of you that can't visually see us, my virtual background is this beautiful view from the castle overlooking the ocean of Alicante. I can confirm, I can see the backdrop and it's absolutely stunning. I'm completely transported into that setting. Much nicer from the gray clouds and darkish skies of London, where I'm calling from today. So I'm glad you're bringing sunshines into today's podcast, Diana. That's wonderful. Um, right. I know I've given an introduction um, about who you are, um, and I know that hospitality and sustainability are sort of your expertise, but this introduction does not do you justice. So why don't you share with our listeners your career journey? How did you get to where you are today? Thank you so much, Rashad, and excellent work on the introduction and pronunciation of all <laughs> the <laughs> typical Spanish words. Thank you. Um, so I like to always start introducing my career journey with my story, my immigration story. 
Um, I'm originally from Colombia, from the capital, Bogota. And, and I moved to the US as a very young girl. And I didn't know exactly um, what to expect. It was a cultural, a huge um, cultural shift for me from what I knew to what I was presented um, again in early, very early teenager. Um, and what I always found myself looking for was finding a sense of purpose in this new life, um, exploring different passions. And as I learned English and then went into high school and then went into university, I knew that I wanted to do what I love now that I had the opportunity of pretty much all doors being open. And when I took one course into an introduction of hospitality and tourism, I knew that I had found my people, the people that love to travel, that love to engage, that love to service, that enjoy speaking different languages. Um, so I knew that that's where I wanted to be, but I didn't know exactly what. Hospitality and tourism is such a huge industry. Um, and as I continued to explore and find my purpose, I started to follow what I call the gut feeling or what some other people will say, it's kind of common sense to them, but not common sense to others. And I found my niche within the area of hospitality and tourism. And that was what some people may know as sustainability. Some others may know it as operational quality and efficiency, which for me is kind of common sense things. Coming from a third world country where we were taught that you do not waste anything that you purchase, especially around food. Um, and then being in the US where I started to see how wasteful this industry was, especially in the area of food, energy and water, as I started to work my way up in the hotel industry, as a, I started as a front desk agent and moved up into many different areas and titles, I knew that I wanted to focus again on providing the best efficiencies uh, for hotels and helping um, at the end of the day, reduce the environmental impact. So the more that I um, started to understand what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, and how I wanted to kind of give back, I knew that I was in the right place. That's why today I um, don't just operate in this space still, hospitality and tourism in the area of sustainability, but I also educate because I know that we can't get to where I want us to get to in the industry of hospitality when it comes to sustainability if I'm the only one doing it. I need others to kind of join the effort um, we cannot succeed alone. So I've been giving it, giving it back, um, kind of everything that I learned um, throughout my time that brought me to the place of my career I am now to the younger generation, giving them the knowledge that I wish somebody could have given to me earlier instead of later um, so that we could really move the needle in this, in, this, uh, in this area again of sustainability and impact that we have as an industry. Um, it's amazing how um, we all come from, you know, different backgrounds, different cultures, whether it's, you know, a developing country or not, but it's our experiences that shape us and help us look into certain things. And you, you tap into a very interesting topic, which is how in, in some of us are actually brought up not to waste things. Um, and 
again, it's not just based on cultures and economies, but it's how our upbringing is, depending on the circumstances around us. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a very big believer that there is a lot of how we are shaped in life is actually from our early selves in our childhoods and early teenagers, that impressions, that the things that we like and sometimes we don't like and we disagree with growing up actually form our focus areas, uh, you know, and our sort of progression in life. And it's very valuable. So I, I like the fact that you're taking all of that and sharing it back with um, uh, an education form with, with the younger generation. So as then that could help hopefully, you know, give them the impression and the knowledge to go down that path as well. Absolutely. I just want to add too. I did say the younger generation. And now that I think of it, it's also the people that are coming into the industry later in, in their career. So people that are much older than me, but are very new to the experience of hospitality and tourism, I feel like it is my duty to also show them the ropes so that they're not, you know, it's never too late to learn no matter what age you may be learning from. Yes, when we say young in this context, we'll talk about the young and the professional experience in this particular yeah. sector, not young in age as such. So that's a very good clarification point. Thank you very much. And um, uh, from the skill set, you know, you know, you're talking about, I, I really like the description of operational efficiencies, uh, which really go hand in hand in sustainability, because um, there are lots of people that would talk about it in cutting costs, where our many other organizations would talk about it really in operational efficiencies, so as the team will have that well-being and can perform better and feel more productive. So however you want to um, sort of swing that conversation, uh, but those two are very important. What is the one skill set that you found transferable, not just your niche and gut feeling and common sense, but also a skill set that you've learned throughout your, your career? A skill set that I learned throughout my career, I would say being analytical. So understanding how to look at something that people may not even see as a problem. You know, the saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I don't believe in that saying, because sometimes we, we don't see that there is a small crack that, or even if there isn't a crack, there's some, a way we could do this much better than the way we've always done it. Right. Yes. The, the, efficiency is that it's not just fixing something it's being proactive instead of reactive so i would say that um, analytical skills have definitely transferred through all the roles and the other one is people skills right so uh the social skill is extremely important to help operational efficiencies move forward in the area i'm in hospitality and tourism all comes down to people business it's a people mm -hmm. business and it's people running the different businesses not just our clients our people but also the people behind that and uh, right before this we were talking about being front of stage right we're always front of stage um and and it's also you know how do you show authenticity and the reason why you're doing things so that people trust and believe in you. And when I talk about people, I don't just mean our uh, guests and our clients, but the talent, the talent that I want to stay with me, the talent that I want to attract uh, to work for me. 
So um, the people skills. And the last thing I'll say that is a transferable skill too is conceptual. So when talking about sustainability, uh, I, I, people look at me with a little bit of a scared face, like, oh no, what are you going to talk about? Is it the hugging the tree sort of conversation? <laughs> and I say, no, it's in concept and, and the skill that I've really leaned upon is being conceptual, kind of un helping people understand the bigger picture, but in their own terms, right? Mm -hmm. Or helping them understand the details, but in their own terms. So understanding the, the type of learner I'm speaking to and modifying to them instead of just pushing a message the way that I would accept it the best. So again, kind of a the conceptual skills have come in. So to summarize, analytical, conceptual, and the social skills are something that I've seen through throughout in order to um, speak about the subject and what I do. Fantastic. Mm, thanks a lot. Um... With all of that uh, skill set and experience, um, if I ask you for one success story um, that you think other professionals can benefit from implementing. Uh, what would that success story be? There are so many to choose from. <laughs> you know, as, as I was thinking, as I was thinking, um, what can I share with people here? A success story that I would say is I, I didn't always listen to everyone that tried to advise me. Um, because when you try to please others as to where they think you should go in your career based on your fortes. Sometimes they can skew you to where your passion may be or may lie. Um, I was told at an early age, you're extremely sociable, you love languages, you should be in sales. I just didn't really find my purpose in sales. Um, meaning, I mean, there's always purpose, right? I just didn't feel that fulfilled if my purpose was mm -hmm. just in sales selling a product, right? Um, I am, when I become very passionate about anything, I I definitely, I'm a, I'm a natural salesperson. I will sell what I believe is right and good. Um, but I, I wanted my purpose to be stronger than that. I wanted to use my social skills for other things. So there was a bumpy time in my young career where I just, I, I was trying to listen to everyone, but really trying to focus. So my success story that I, I would say I would like to share here is that I listened to my inner self. I still uh, uh, captured all the great feedback that people were telling me, you know, my seniors, my mentors, my professors, but I listened to myself. And somebody said to me, it's not good to be a chameleon, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And in my head, something said to me, that's wrong. It's good to be a master of many instead of, you know, just focusing on one thing. Cause I am many things. I am not one title. I'm not one thing. So what I would share here that hopefully anyone listening to this can benefit implement is listen to yourself, find your niche, concentrate in that area and everything kind of tends to follow after that into your succession. That's very powerful. Um, I I don't disagree with that at all. In fact, um, uh, for everybody that's considering um, and still unsure, because you know you talk a lot about coaching, we talk a lot about mentoring. We we ask you know young professionals 
again into any career not just by age but you know just engage with others and see how people do it and you know just try to form all of those ideas and the the, the whole concept of coaching and mentoring and we're not going to go into a successful coach and a successful mentor versus not but the whole idea is um just explore the different areas so as you can determine as an individual what works and what doesn't work for you and this is an approach that I, I work with with businesses as well. When when we're looking into uh, strategic initiatives and making sure that the company's objectives are being met and how we're going to deal with some an innovative project or a new product that we're going to um, um, deliver. As simple as going to a simple uh, report that we want to share with board members, for example. Um, I always go with the approach of I'm going to share something with my key stakeholders and if that received a no reaction that's not gonna work okay perfect that's one way not to do it so we're now closer to how we want to do it and it's the same thing with our own individualism and you know careers and passion if you've engaged with people and you've identified that actually no i i don't feel fulfilled over here you know, there's nothing to be upset about. That's fine. You're getting closer to identifying what is your passion, but you might not have found that out if you did not go down path that A right. or path okay. B. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I agree. So, what about what about um, if we look into the flip side of the coin? So, any um, uh, instances or incidents. Uh, throughout your career, and um, I, I totally understand that working in hospitality um, have uh, lots of um, things that could go wrong uh, last minute, but something where you've either applied or you've worked with quality professionals, and I'm talking more about the focus of um, deploying governance or assurance frameworks or improvement to something that helped save the day, you know, reduce the negative impact of a crisis. Would you have anything to share on that? Yes, I'm going to try my best to to bring quality into this example and what I do. And you know, when I when I we can Google quality and many definitions will come out. But the way that I like to just simplify quality is following certain standards. Right? We need to follow certain standards in order to provide a certain quality. Now, my whole life, I've worked for big box hotel companies. What that means is they're cookie cutter companies. They are franchisees that if you go to um, a Ritz-Carlton in, in, in Shenzhen, China, or if you go to one in, in Bogota, Colombia, it should be the same experience. It should be a very similar experience, right? So there's a certain standard of service and a certain standard of things, physical things that you should find in these hotels. So I have worked with people that have quality in their title, quality assurance for our hotels, um, and also in the area of engineering. Of course, there's a certain standards that need to be followed in order for efficiencies to happen. So I would say that um, I've had many experiences working with them. But one of the big, again, I'm always kind of looking for opportunities mm -hmm. in, in these collaborative efforts that I've had um, throughout my career with, again, people that is in their title is the opportunity I saw is that sometimes they just went with it. Here's what you have to do because we tell you to, because it's what the company is telling you to do. 
And I saw an opportunity there that if I wanted people to start to do something a little bit different than the way they've always been doing it to be more efficient, I can't just go into a room and say, do this because I'm telling you to do it. I have to connect the why this is important. Because as much as our, our companies that I've been dealing with are what I call cookie cutters or franchisees that come with standards, our people are not. You cannot, you do not have cookie cutter versions of people. Mm-hmm. All people are different. They think differently. They process things differently. And even if you read the same thing that I do, we're going to read it differently in our head. And we're going to have a different view of what it is. So without the people buy-in, you can never succeed in my job, in in my area of hospitality and and tourism. So again, in many occasions, kind of when I walked into a room and I saw that there was a big struggle with, with why aren't these things getting done? We gave them the SOPs, the standard operating procedures. We gave them the standards. Why is it not getting done? I would go in there and ask, but have you explained to them why you're asking them to put X amount of pillows instead of what it used to be before? Are you you letting them know why we switched from this product to this one and why they have to use this for the experience of the guest? And something that I found very important here is that the why and the importance of the why is gonna be different for people. So some people, may have monetary reasons why they do things. Some people have it for personal well-being, why they want to do things. Or it comes down to knowing the importance of how it connects back to their family, why they do things. Mm -hmm. So just to make all of what I just said into a really quick example, um, I switched, our company switched a cleaning chemical one time. And and people were um, complaining online that the chemicals being used were very strong and it was a lot of allergies, uh, uh, reactions were taking place from it. And we thought this is so odd because this chemical that we have is actually eco-friendly, doesn't have strong smell and chemicals. So I went into this property and found out, little and behold, um, the people that were cleaning were bringing their own chemicals. They just didn't see the foaming happening in this new chemical so they thought it wasn't working right if it's not foaming and if it's not making your eyes thing it can't be work it's not working so they had this perception of like a chemical and what it should be but when I went in there and explained to them the different chemical uh ingredients in it mm-hmm. I was going to help their health by using these how our guests were actually happier with these because they were having many reactions to the other ones we were using and how at the end of the day it would help our bottom line because um, also we were using a lot less and it was still doing the great quality work and that that money that we were saving at the property, we would be able to put it towards different programs to help our employees. Once they understood that bigger picture, then it was kind of like the aha moment. So that for me is kind of quality and what I call common sense coming together and explaining to people why this is important and and all of that coming together saves the day. And, and it saved the day in that point because finally they started using the right product that we needed to use because finally they got the reason why it made sense. And and it's also the fact that um, uh, having, having that one complete engagement with the whole workforce. So as a demonstration is made about this product, so they understand that foaming is not part of its characteristics. 
you know, yeah. that foaming is not what makes it the real product. It's actually what constitutes that chemical product, why it's eco and that the cleaning will still happen. I, I also, um, there are lots of things I've, um, I can relate to, but one example comes to my mind as well that talks about, you know, to compare the foaming versus no foaming is um, many, many years ago, boarding a plane, uh, when they do their safety checks, they always used to talk about the oxygen mask that drops and they say put it around and breathe normally it's only in the past few years that they started saying the oxygen bag might not inflate but continue to breathe because people have the perception that if you're breathing through a bag that you're going to see the bag expand and contract but they started to tell people if you did not see that don't panic the bag is the oxygen flow is still happening and it's amazing just the setting the expectations so as people don't panic or don't apply their own background cultures or perceptions or experiences and understand what good looks like in those instances mm -hmm. is, is very powerful exactly Hundred percent. In one of the businesses I've worked with as well, it was a big retail company, and one of the trainings that we used to give to um, uh, store managers, different retail store managers in different parts of retail, whether it's fashion, footwear, health and beauty, um, uh, even casual dining. So different areas, um, uh, opticians, and so on. And we used to go and, and work with store managers to um, make themselves stand out from uh, the competition and to drive better sales through service quality. Because people need to have a memorable experience. And how, how do you engage with that workforce? And we started running a big campaign and a program throughout our old trainings with store managers. Um, and in hospitality, I believe you're very familiar with the concept of mystery shopping. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, but I don't want you to be mystery shopped. I want you to be a mystery shopper and talk to me about the last time you as a store manager, as an individual, you went to buy something from a shop and talk to me through that experience. How did you feel? And then we start breaking it through to our standards and yeah. say, is that a feeling that you want to portray? And if it was a good feeling, just replicate it. If it was a bad feeling, how can you make it different? and then apply it here. So you start helping them connect the dots and relate to those experiences. And that proved to be very powerful for them. I agree 100%. I'll just quickly share the best experience I had as a young employee going into this industry. And it was the second hotel I worked for, which happened to be in a whole different city. So I was moved by this company to start working from them. So I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know how to get around. That was New York City. I, I here I am this Miami girl in New York City living the dream and my first week at work my uh, my supervisor said to me all you're going to do is eat drink and be happy and I go what and then they, they're in the my supervisor said yes you are just going to be a guest for the first week do not introduce yourself to any of the staff members as a new staff member you are just a guest so talk about you know that mystery shopper, but in the same hotel that I would walk in and they would do this with all employees. It was the best learning experience I had because of course I had homework with the, mm -hmm. uh, with the, uh, the, the awesome training. And um, I noted all the things down that I would 
would do differently in order to have a best service experience. Um, and they did that with every employee uh, that would come in into a manager title. And it for me, was the best way of understanding quality, seeing it from different eyes before you go into being an employee. Because what I say is, after you work in a certain place for X amount of time, you are blind to seeing mm -hmm. things that could improve. Right. So anyways, so, so to, to, to what you said, I agree hundred percent. Four months. You've got four months to, to implement change in a new context that you're working with. After four months, you're going to become completely blind to those things. You're going to, you're going to be part of the engine uh -huh. that's sort of running, but the first four months you can definitely, definitely, question and say why is it happening this way how about that and after that that group think starts to sink in yeah yeah Um, the conversation is absolutely uh, brilliant, and I could see that we can keep talking a lot about so many different aspects, um, but I am fully aware that we're coming very close to our time, and I'm very conscious of your time as well. So just before we wrap up, Diana, why don't you share with our listeners, where does a professional like yourself with such a great experience get their inspiration from? Is there any podcast, any blog or journal or book that you can sort of recommend? I'll share two quick ones, one book and one blog. So the one that really changed my view in looking at things is one called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. And the gist of that book is how information spreads among people and why do some ideas and products spread quickly and effectively and why others don't. So we talked a lot about experience and service and all of that comes down to, you know, having a certain standard of quality but without um, demand, without the demand of a certain product, then we can't fulfill that demand, right? So I mm -hmm. thought that for me, this tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell really helped me understand how influential people are in growing certain demands in different areas. And then, then uh, the blog that I would share is Darren Daly. I started following him right after the pandemic when I started to really kind of refigure what I wanted to do, uh, what was the purpose and how I was going to use my forte to, to be successful, not just for me, but to have, help others be successful. And Darren Daly um, kind of took me out of very gray areas at times, very dark places where I just was very uh, unsure of, again, what I wanted to do. So he is just a mentor who provides insight and advice and training and how to improve yourself and be successful in your journey. Uh, before I let you go, uh, just so as our listeners get to know a little bit more you as a person rather than as the professional, um, I'm going to fire quick fire questions. Um, and just without thinking about them, let me know which ones would you go for? Are you ready? Yes. Um, <laughs> excellent. Summer or winter? Summer. Uh, coffee or tea? Uh, Colombian coffee. <laughs> Which is absolutely great. Here's mine as well. So uh, good for that. Um, murder mysteries or rom-coms? Murder mysteries. Love it. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Yes, of course. That's how I learned English, reading the books. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And finally, uh, night out or night in? 
Oh, night out. Night out, yes. Um, and uh, in Spain, I mean, dinner is a start at what, 10 p.m.? Yes, that's exactly where my mind went. Gastronomy, a good cocktail, and great conversations. And so I'm a socializer. I have to be out in order to socialize. Uh, lovely, brilliant. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Uh, Diana, thank you so much for joining um, this conversation. Uh, sustainability is the same side of the operational efficiency um, of that coin. Um, three skill sets, the people skills, being social, conceptualizing um, uh, an initiative and being analytical are three skill sets that are transferable throughout anybody's career. And um, for all of the people that are trying to find out what they want to do in their professional world, just follow your gut feelings and go down the paths to identify whether they work for you or they don't. Great conversation. You have been listening to Prashad in Conversation with me, your host, Prashad Isa. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe, follow or download as I bring you monthly guests from around the world to share their stories of the quality profession. Thank you.